Hi there and welcome to The Brave, a podcast all about resilience and life in the 21st century. I'm your host, Beth and Vincent, and in each episode I like to explore a different aspect of resilience, whether that's emotional, mental, physical, resilience of systems, resilience of places, resilience of businesses. We look at this from multiple different angles, asking the question, what makes things robust and what makes things adaptable? Now this week we're looking at rest and recovery. So in in episodes I generally either I get an expert in to chat around the subject either because they've got a really interesting story or perspective or I like to do a deep dive on my own into a subject. And this week you got me. So let's rock and roll. It's all about rest and recovery and recharging. Why do we need rest? What's the difference perhaps between rest and recovery? And then I'm also going to share my five top tips for getting recovery and rest in your schedule, making sure it happens, making sure that it's working for you. So we're going to start off in what will seem a pretty obvious place, but why do we need to rest? Why do we need to recharge? Why can't we be like machines and just go 24-7, seven days a week and just keep on churning out work and producing results? This was a question I was asking myself over the past couple of weeks, just because I've had a lot of deadlines in both work and kind of other work I do outside of work. That's always a sentence that fills me with joy when I say it. But essentially, I was kind of Googling around, OK, how do I become productive for 10 hours instead of 8 or 12 hours instead of 10 what can I do to expand that time where I'm going to be producing stuff and at peak performance well apparently not that much there is a natural limit so apart from kind of optimizing your time and time management and all of that stuff to fit more in to the productive hours you have available there is actually kind of a set cap which really you can't go over and if you go over it's almost like you're, you're kind of taking from one pot to replenish another pot but at the end of the day you're going to have to something's going to have to give you're going to have to put back in for everything you take out and I came across a Harvard Business Review article from 2016 about resilience and rest and recharge and essentially they were looking at um, studies done in manufacturers and industrial kind of processing places so places where people have a lot of piecework you know their output is very measurable and measured and they have those those data points to look at And they basically analysed this and they saw a direct correlation between lack of recovery, so people not taking breaks, and an increase in the incidence of health and safety issues. So essentially, the less people took a break, the more likely they were to have an accident or the more likely actually their performance would start decreasing. So it would reach almost a set point and then their performance would start going down. And this is really important to understand that it's not just you. Uh, Humans overall have this upper limit. And I think it's really interesting because I I do a lot of fitness stuff. I go to the gym a lot and recovery is really important when you're training in a physical sense because essentially you, you push your body really hard when you're training and you tear, you know, micro tear muscles, you, you deplete kind of nutrition resources and energy and you have to give your body time to essentially recover from that and replenish and repair. If you don't and you end up training through, so let's say you're doing seven days of training a week, really heavy weights, you're not giving yourself any time off to recover, you will injure yourself. 
I've done this myself before. I, I got into a period in about 2015, 2016, where I was running about three or four 10Ks a week. And I would sometimes run, you know, the, subsequently. So I would run a 10K and then the next day run a 10K. And I did my knee in and I couldn't run for a year, which obviously had a massive impact on my performance. And had I taken the time to rest and recover, I probably wouldn't have got to that point. So we take these rest days really seriously when we're undergoing a lot of physical stress. Yet when it comes to kind of mental recovery, we don't necessarily put as much pressure on ourselves and pressure isn't the right word. We don't put as much credit to mental recovery as perhaps we should. So why not? That's the question I'm really interested in. And I think this comes back down to essentially as a society, we've moved from work being kind of you go to work you do work because that's the only place you can do work you know if you think about factories in the 19th 20th century you couldn't really do that work outside of being in the physical location well now with obviously smartphones computers laptops and the fact that our work is very digital very distributed we can do work from anywhere yay wonderful and that in a way is kind of empowering but also it means there's this pressure to be always on always available and always productive as well and I find it really fascinating that we talk a lot about the productivity problem in westernized countries and especially in Britain I think there was a a news report I was reading this week that Britain is, is basically never really recovered in terms of productivity from the 2008 financial crash And lots of people are asking big questions about, you know, why is this the case? And I have no data to back this up. This is just anecdotal. But I think it's because essentially people feel so much pressure to perform so much and they go all in and they never take time to rest and recover. And this is obviously, you know, I'm doing blanket statements here, but I think the pressure on UK workers is so great now that we just burn out and we end up actually doing ourselves in in the pursuit of doing more. Alongside the fact that, you know, we have this cap on how much we can do, how much we can kind of concentrate and mentally process, there's also something called decision fatigue, which essentially it's scientifically proven, there have been multiple studies, but the more decisions we make, the more the quality of our decision making decreases. So there's some really interesting things around this that, um, you know, if if you are a uh, a convict, if you are a criminal and you're coming into court, don't have your hearing with the judge before lunch because the judge will be tired, their decision making will be impaired and there will probably be a less favourable result for you. And again, you see this kind of the end of sessions. So if there's been a long day and you're the kind of last person with a hearing, again, the result is impacted by the I guess, fatigue of the judge. And despite, you know, the fact we think we're really kind of rational beings, you know, we make decisions in this really kind of fact-based way, our kind of mental state, also our physical state, so hunger, can have a massive impact on how we make decisions. And I find this in my own work. So I, I generally, I kind of go to work, I'll do a work day, and then I come back and I do things like this podcast, or um, I write a lot online, And I generally find that actually there's a point normally kind of about 8pm at night where it's really diminishing returns. I can't really think about what to write. My kind of syntax gets really bad. My grammar gets really sloppy. And there is no way 
I found of pushing past this, I just have to stop. I just have to basically take a break and go and do something else and really try and rest and recover. And rest and recovery is a really interesting thing. And as I was doing kind of more research for this episode, I was looking around, you know, what what counts as rest and what counts as recovery? Because to me, I think there are two different things at play here. So rest can be going to sleep. Take sleep as an example. You can go to sleep and uh, some nights you will, your head will hit the pillow, you'll have a full eight hours, nine hours of sleep, you'll wake up, you'll feel really refreshed, there'll have been no interruptions and you'll have, you'll feel really kind of rested and recharged and recovered. Yet you can also have nights when you go to sleep where you'll have, your mind will be racing, you'll be thinking about your to-do list and you'll be lying there so your body's resting but your mind isn't necessarily resting and you're potentially get woken up a couple of times. I have a cat who loves to wake us up multiple times in the night, which is great. And you'll wake up in the morning and you maybe will have been bed the same amount of time, but you won't feel recovered. I think recovery is a bit more than rest. And I've seen this again in kind of some of the activities that I've done that are supposed to be restful. So there was a period about six months to a year ago where I'd get back from work and I'd stick on the TV and watch a couple of hours of TV because I was tired and I thought, okay, this is a great way of resting, recovering, making sure I've kind of getting a break from work. But what I'd find is actually after watching TV for a couple of hours, I'd be even more tired. And I know, you know, I would be more tired, more time has passed, but I'd be exponentially more tired and I feel quite drained and that's because watching tv or or watching a narrative unfold essentially a you've kind of got the screen the lights from the screen so blue light keeping you awake interrupting your kind of circadian rhythms and also you're trying to follow a story which is taking kind of mental work from you and you're you're there's a lot of stimulation going on there as well from the lights from the sound so you're not necessarily recovering your your brain doesn't have time to basically kind of decompress and process what's happened during the day whereas if in contrast i go and read a book for a couple of hours I actually feel a lot better. I feel a lot more recovered, even though I've rested the same amount of time. I just generally feel a lot more de-stressed. So I think it's really interesting to think about whether the thing you're doing to kind of take a break, have a rest, is it actually recovery? Is it recharging you? Or is it kind of making you more tired or or having these little impacts that, that maybe aren't as good as you think they are? Again, to go back to the fitness analogy, so in in kind of exercise, you'll you'll have something called active recovery. And active recovery is where essentially um, you still want to put yourself under a bit of strain, but you don't want to be kind of completely off. Uh, So an example would be, let's say you're doing kind of like 10 squats and then 50 push-ups. That's a lot of push-ups. 10 push-ups, if you're me. Um, And then you might hold a plank for 60 seconds to be your rest. Now that's loaded rest, so your body is still working, but you do get a little bit of a breather away from doing kind of basically lots of movement. And I think sometimes some of the things we pick as rest are active recovery. So for example, I, I did a Twitter poll and I asked people kind of on Instagram, Twitter and in real life as well, what they did that they thought was restful, what they did for rest essentially. Lots of people talked about walking. Walking's kind of active recovery to me. Um, you're still doing something, you're still kind of active. Uh, but I think walking's great for giving your mind space to recover. Yeah, your body's still active, which is really good for fitness. 
um, but your mind kind of has that space to just kind of really decompress. I actually find some of my best ideas happen when I'm on a walk, which is really annoying because I often think of them when I don't have a pen or paper with me because I some I try not to take my phone essentially, so I'm not tempted to look at my screen and get sucked in back at work. People also talked about listening to podcasts and reading. Again, I think that's kind of active recovery. And by the way, I don't mean active recovery is bad. I just mean it's still kind of engaging your mind and still placing a bit of mental load on you. But reading and listening to podcasts, again, I think that's probably a bit of a distraction thing for people. So it takes their mind off doing work or kind of some of the stresses that they're thinking about. Someone also talked about playing video games, which again, active recovery, your brain's still doing something. But they said it just makes them think of nothing, which I think actually could could be really good. You know, you don't want to be playing it mindlessly for hours, but that could be a really good way of taking yourself away from things that are stressing you. And I guess that's that's what recovery is for me, taking myself away from my stress for a while, just so I'm not thinking about it. And so my body has a chance to just kind of deflate and, and not feel loaded all the time. Other things people talked about, knitting, I thought that was a great one. I'd love to be able to do that. I'm way too uh, not very dexterous for that. Some people talked about more kind of ritualistic things, which I thought was really interesting. So having a cup of tea, lighting a candle, whereby the act itself isn't necessarily recovery or rest, but it's about that ritual. It's about making space for themselves and making it about themselves. And again, that's a really, I think, great way of, of making sure that you're having kind of these little moments in your schedule. Because again, to talk about how often should be you be scheduling rest and recovery, my suggestion would be little and often, so peppered throughout the day. Um, again, you know, if you think about the way we all work, we're meant to work these kind of eight hour days or whatever your contract states, but there's no way. <laughs> I mean, if you are the person who's doing eight hours of solid, solid work, as in like you, you are never distracted, you never have to go to the toilet or have a cup of tea or a drink or anything, then are you a robot? <laughs> but seriously, human brains are not designed to think solidly for that amount of time. Do you need to take breaks? So if you can put those moments and spread them throughout the day, whether it's kind of reading a book at lunchtime, going for a walk at lunch, that's what I do a lot, which I think I come back with some great ideas and I'm ready, I'm ready to go and refresh with great ideas after lunch. Um, or you can have a cup of tea, all that kind of stuff. I think it's little and often for me, you may find something different works for you but I would suggest little and often. Also just a a little note on sleep because I think this when I was planning out this episode I was kind of you know thinking about all the topics I wanted to explore and talk about and sleep's obviously a really big one and if you google you know how to get a better night's sleep there's literally millions of, of results, numerous articles, it's really big on sites like the BBC, The Guardian, that they seem to really hot on this idea that we're all in a sleep crisis, we're all not getting enough sleep, which obviously has really negative health impacts, and that's proven. But I, I do think sleep is important. You should be aiming for, you know, whatever amount makes sense for you. If I could, I'd be sleeping nine to ten hours a night, uh, which doesn't uh, always work well with my schedule, but oh well. Um, but outside of that, I don't think I don't think sleep is the answer is essentially what I'm trying to say. I think it's part of the puzzle, but not the answer. So we've talked about why rest and recovery is important. 
difference, the difference between perhaps rest and recovery and active recovery as well versus, I don't suppose, well, it's interesting, is non-active recovery a thing? And actually, we'll come on to that in a second because I do think it's a thing and I do think it's a really important thing to do, but no one does it. Modern life rarely gives us an opportunity for it. And we've also talked about perhaps sleep is important, but maybe not the whole story of rest and recovery. So I'm going to give you my five top tips for rest and recovery and making sure that it happens, it's in your schedule and maybe it's the right type of rest and recovery. So tip number one is to reduce your decision making and your cognitive load. So we get decision fatigue as humans. The more decisions we make, the more the quality of them decreases. This is scientifically proven. Multiple studies have uh, proved this, but yet we still live in a society where we're literally we're forced to make millions of decisions not millions in an average day we're we're making thousands of decisions whether that's to uh, walk this certain way to work buy this certain thing what should we have for lunch what should we have for dinner a lot of my decisions revolve around food (laughs) but and this is one of the reasons why um when you're faced with like a big online retail site like asos it's very overwhelming and they're they're actually now trying to um maybe streamline their kind of stock lines because people are overwhelmed by choice and end up not making a decision but that's by the by so we want to reduce the amount of decisions we have to make in a day because there's a limit to how many we can make and I've seen articles talk about you know we have a hundred good decisions in us a day so once we get above that we will make poor decisions and one of the things I do is I try and systematize things as much as possible so I remove the need to make a decision because the decision's been made through a framework so an example of this is Mark Zuckerberg with his whole I'm going to wear the same outfit or variants of the same outfit every day because it reduces the time I have to kind of make decisions in the morning that's that's a great example if if you really love fashion that may be not one for you But I like to do this with things like food. So, you know, we plan out what we're going to eat every day, the week ahead, for the week ahead, so plan it on a Sunday. You can do it with basically anything, which commute you're going to take and also what activities you're going to do. So I plan in my gym sessions at the beginning of each week. And I also, when I'm in situations, I have a standard set of responses. So to give an example of that, at lunchtime, I pretty much always eat the same thing. Because I've decided, you know, I've decided that's the right thing from a nutrition point of view. It's easily available. So I go into the shop every lunchtime and I get the same thing. I never have to dither. I never have to waste time. It's one less decision to make. So think about the ways you can systematise the decisions you have to make in your life. Secondly, I think we've talked about some of the activities that people have as rest activities and I was quite surprised by the variance of rest activities but I think it is important to find something that works for you if maybe walking if you're someone who when you go walking you end up thinking about a lot of your kind of anxious thoughts or it stresses you out don't do it even though lots of people talk about it being great if it doesn't work for you there's no point doing it and you also need to find a way of slotting it in, ideally every day, something that is a bit of recovery and rest. Both rest and recovery are important. But make time for yourself in your schedule. And I think we've all got to kind of come to terms with the fact that we're fragile, fallible humans and we cannot work 24-7. You know, back to the story I told at the beginning, I 
basically couldn't find the answer I wanted you know I was looking for the answer of like if you if you make your schedule look like this then you can eke out these extra hours and you'll be this much more productive there's literally a limit and this hustle mentality is fundamentally flawed and is making us strive for things that we can't achieve which is why people get burnt out because we have these really high bars of what you know a work day should look like what a work we how much effort we should put in and it, it's just not sustainable and it will end in burnout. So number two, yeah, find a rest activity that works for you and plan it in. That's a really important bit. Make sure it happens. So I think number three, I, I would say know when you can't push through. So basically we go hard in fitness, again, back to fitness, but you go hard in fitness so that you can go harder the next time, but you can't go harder the next time unless you've you've had that recovery bit in the middle. And there are sometimes that you literally cannot do anymore, like you cannot lift anymore, you cannot push any harder, your body is burnt out. We've all in the past pulled things like all-nighters and worked ridiculous hours, especially with exams and stuff like that. And that's okay to do it occasionally. Like occasionally you can just do that extra push And you probably will need a longer rest and recovery period after. But there is a limit to how many times you can do that and you can push your body. And again, this goes back to the fact we are fragile, fallible humans. And I find, so I actually have like a little physical tell that, (laughs) it's really weird, that that tells me when I've I've pushed too far. So essentially, I get an earache when I'm about to get burnt out don't know why it's really weird it started a couple of years ago and I just know if I've had a really long week where I've maybe pushed myself a little bit too far physically mentally my ear starts hurting and the only way to make it stop is to basically step back and do nothing and if you don't have well I think everyone probably does have those tells they might not be like a physical pain but it will just be kind of a feeling in your body or the symptoms of burnout essentially which are disassociation feeling kind of down feeling really exhausted just when you get to that point push back don't push through that is your body telling you when your mind telling you you can't do anymore and it's okay to pull back so number four um This is the one where I was talking about, you know, is there such a thing as non-active recovery? And I think it's doing nothing. And doing nothing is really difficult. Whenever I try it, so I'll sit down and I'll be like, right, I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to kind of sit here, relax, be with myself, be in my own thoughts. I end up cleaning. I end up going on my phone. I end up writing. I I end up trying to fill that time because I think we've got this idea that we have to be productive all the time. And even our kind of rest and recovery activities, which are often hobbies, They still are about output. You know, if you think about fitness, it's about output, doing something. Even things like knitting is about output, reading or getting through the books. What happens if we flip that and we ask ourselves, okay, what happens if if no output is required? We do nothing. And what I want you to do is to pencil in an hour and try it and just try and see how antsy you get because it's something you've almost got to train yourself to do but you feel so good. Like once you've got to the point when you you can do it, you feel so good. And even if, even if you can't go the full hour and whatever, just try and do five minutes of doing nothing. You can do this at work. So if, if you've just done a massive task, you're really stressed out, just try and sit there for five minutes and do nothing. And don't feel guilty about it. It's recovery and it's real recovery. 
So number five, my last tip. I think, uh, again, this one, I don't know if it's controversial. Again, these are all my kind of tips anecdotally. There's no kind of science backing them up. But I think human and social connection is really important and a really good way of recovering. We all know how it feels to kind of unburden yourself to a friend after a really crappy week and just kind of getting things off your chest, a problem shared, it's a problem halved and all of that is something we can often neglect when it comes to self-care and I guess a lot of what I'm talking about here is self-care but because self-care is about the self it doesn't necessarily involve others but I you know we're social beings we we crave acknowledgement and acceptance by other people and just make sure you pencil in some time to be with your friends in a kind of context that is restful (laughs) so it's not necessarily you know being with your friends to produce something or or work on something outside of work it's just being with your friends and having a laugh and laughter obviously is really good for you as well so if they're really funny friends then (laughs) even better but you know social connection cannot be understated the importance of it and even animals as well you know having that kind of I have a cat and there's nothing more relaxing than coming from work, sit down, try and do nothing. She comes and sits on my lap and we both sit together for a good 10 minutes doing nothing. It's great. So I hope you enjoyed that exploration of rest and recovery and how it kind of relates to resilience. It was a really interesting episode for me to actually research and I probably (laughs) am being forced to confront some uh, difficult truths about my own workload at the moment and the fact I need to take my own tips and do them. So anyway, um, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could leave a review and a rating that just lets me know that you're enjoying it. It would also be great if you wanted to subscribe. It just means you'll get notified of new episodes. We have one coming out each week. That is the lofty goal I have set myself this year. We're going to have a regular schedule. Last year was pretty regular, but you know, there was a bit of drop off this year. One per week, a really interesting subject we're going to explore each week. So thank you so much. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us on, we're on Instagram, Twitter, at The Brave Listen. Also find us online if you type in The Brave Podcast, we're number one result in Google there. And if you want to email me and chat about anything I've talked about, or if you have any questions, always happy to hear from people, you can grab me on hello at bethanvincent.com. And I will see you in the next episode.